Get ready to buckle up because on the She's Got Drive podcast, you remember that your brilliance is your birthright. And I'm Shirley McAlpine. Welcome back to second of our new season of the She's Got Drive podcast. I am so excited about doing it, being back again. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of work. And so now I'm remembering why I stopped for a while, but I'm enjoying it. And when we love what we're doing, it obviously doesn't feel like work anymore. In this journey to come back, the phrase that's coming up that I use again and again is done is better than perfect because in the pursuit of perfection, you never get done, right? You're always moving things around, keeping on working on something, thinking that you're not quite ready. And with coming back with all that I have on my plate, I have to go with done's better than perfect more times than I would prefer. But I realized that when we are not doing that, what we're doing is we're procrastinating and we're not executing on the dreams that we have and the things that we care about. So that's my gift to you this week. Done is better than perfect. So this week we have April King, who is a talent agent. Now she's another one of the, the interviews that I did in the period between me stopping and me starting. Again, a wonderful interview with her she some of her past clients have been or current clients have been quinta brunson she's worked with kiki palmer and nas before so she is an amazing talent agent and one of the things that i love about what she talks about is like she makes dreams for a living i mean for real for real because how many people dream of being an actor a performer a comedian and getting on the world stage and she's the one one of the people who makes it happen so uh you're going to love this interview. Two things before we go to the interview is number one, I really want this season for you to have the opportunity to ask me anything. So as you know, I've been a coach, a facilitator for over 30 years. I've worked with now thousands of people. So if there's a dream that you're pursuing, if there's an area that you're stuck in life, if there's a goal that you have that you've been working on that you're not progressing on that you want to support on absolutely email me and the the email is in the show notes and message me and i'll get that question on the show and then answer your question and the other is like share your achievements share your moments of drive the times in your life when you really have been accomplishing and really been out there really doing it so being a woman of drive so if you're a woman of drive and you want to share your um, share your wins? Please send them into the show. And so now I'm going to go over to our interview with April, and I see you on the other side. April, thank you so much for being willing to be a guest on She's Got Drive. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. So I wondered if you could start by sharing, but with my listeners, what is it that you do, and so how did you get to Stop doing that. I am a talent agent at ICM Partners, and that means I find work in film and television, you know, for actors. I have created kind of a niche business for myself here in that a lot of the clients that I work with, I work in the crossover. A lot of people who are stand-up comedians or musicians, digital influencers, people who, who came into this field in untraditional ways, primarily, though I represent a lot of uh, traditional actors as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I had uh, a story about how laser focused I was my whole entire life to be a talent agent, but absolutely not. I did not even know this was a job. <laughs> um, when I came to the United States to go to college, you know, I unexpectedly got my green card my junior year. That kind of opened up to my eyes like, well, I guess I don't have to be an attorney. I could do anything that I want. And I'd always been kind of fascinated by entertainment and like, I was a kind of kid who'd buy CDs and like, first thing was go to the liner notes and see who did they thank. And I loved watching shows like Behind the Music or E! Hollywood Story or any of those shows where like the artist was talking about the people in their lives who helped create the work gave me an idea that, okay, there is a whole system behind artists that make this thing sing and make this thing successful and help people make decisions. And I don't really know what those jobs are, but I would, I'm intrigued by them. Because of the content that I was watching and what was available to me, I thought that made the music industry and that I should be like a record exec, like an A&R exec or something. But on trying to embark on a real job outside of an internship in that field, I realized that was very, very difficult. I knew tangentially like, oh, these artists also have managers and publicists and attorneys and business managers and agents, and I should go work for one of those people. By happenstance, my resume got to the William Morris Agency. I entered their mailroom program, and I've been in the agency business ever since. Totally fell in love with it right away. Wow. So how long has it been now since you've been in talent management? Well, in the talent agency business, since I got out of college, so I was 22. I'm approaching my 40th birthday. What's that math? You know, through the mailroom assistant coordinator agent process. And I've been an agent at ICM coming up on nine years now. Tell us what it actually is. Yeah, how does it work? For many of us who aren't in that field at all, we only really see the the talent themselves. We never really see the work of the, the team that you're speaking about who, who support the, the talent. So what is it that you do and, and how do you go about doing it? So agents specifically, your primary job is to find employment for your client. So when you see an actor in a movie, an agent probably procured that job for them or an artist on tour or an author selling a book. There was usually an agent who was bringing that product to the marketplace or getting uh, that artist involved in the, the consideration project process for that project. You're trying to get people involved in any, at the level that is appropriate for where they are in their career for actors. That means it could be an audition. It could be a meeting with a certain executive, it could be a meeting with the director. You're just trying to get them considered for the role. And then once you actually land that role, then it's also your job, often in conjunction with an attorney, to negotiate the best deal possible for that client. And in between jobs, you know, you're keeping people busy, making sure that they are being considered and keeping their skills sharp and staying in touch with the rest of their teams, you know, whether it's the manager, the publicist, just keeping the brand going and viable and constantly seeking opportunity. So what do you love about it that keeps you in it? I love that I make dreams come true for a living. Mm. Like, I mean, how many people have you ever met that say, you know, I wish I could be an actor or a singer or a writer or these things that just sound fanciful. Like, sure, you want to be on TV. <laughs> that sounds like a big plan. But then 
you know, these people land in my office and on my list and literally every single day, we figure out how to get you in the movies, how to get you on TV. And how do I, how do I help you meet your favorite director? You've always wanted to shoot a little independent movie at the at premieres at the Sundance Film Festival. Let's figure that out. And then it happens by obviously lots of work, lots of planning, lots of strategy, lots of luck. But like you get to figure out key to unlock this mm-hmm. big, like mysterious and uh, unattainable door. Like we have, and, and agents have so many keys, you know. Right. So I love that you make dreams come true. You're like a fairy godmother, really, aren't you? You're the, <laughs> like your client, but with much more work behind it than waving your wand. <laughs> Do you ever have a situation where someone's come to you and you're like, uh, I have no idea how to begin, but you're, but you feel confident that you can still do it. Yeah, especially because I work in primarily in kind of like a niche field in this in this crossover area where a lot of people that I represent are, you know, they didn't go to Juilliard or something, you know, they musicians who realize that they have talents and interests in other areas or stand-up comedians who realize they have a serious side or all kinds of people who found their path to the screen in untraditional ways. And it's literally my job to look at them and say, okay, I know you have no uh, training in this area. I'm literally looking at the brand that you have created, your personality, your look, your vibe. And we are going to be able to walk through the front door of this house of how actors typically get into the business. Let's figure out together. What are we gonna do? We're gonna run on the chimney, we're going to the back door, we'll be the tunnel. How are we gonna get the uh the decision makers in town who really could give this opportunity to to a traditional actor to to consider you? How right. do we get the chance? Um so yeah, it, it happens very, very often in my office where I'm like, what can you do outside of what you already do? And then let's make it happen, yeah. Okay. And then do you ever um so what has you choose someone over not choose someone? Well, for me, um, obviously I work with artists and I think you have to have a belief in their ability, their craft. And, you, and, and, and there needs to be a vibe and a feeling of simpatico. And that doesn't always exist, even if the person is successful and talented. Like I have to be able to see the, the viability and the talent and personally, um, uh, connect with it or identify with it so it might not be for me it might be for somebody else in my building or maybe our agency isn't the right place for this person and, and, and somewhere else can do a better job you definitely have to either vibe with the personality or with the existing work and it has to connect for me because if i can't love it how can i pitch it and if i can't pitch it how will i ever get you a job and then like this is really like you're being their champion really yeah. and so it's because a lot of my clients are um again come from untraditional uh backgrounds um i have to go out into the marketplace with, with decision makers who do come from traditional backgrounds and pitch my clients in a way that they can understand and process right this is why you should give this person another look even though it is completely different from the rest of the pool of applicants here and it works because that you're able to do that because you that's your niche is working with that kind of 
Yeah, maybe the first couple of times they give you the side eye, but after two or three times of saying, like, see, I was onto something. Like, oh, <laughs> you know, it gets a little bit easier for them to listen to me the next time. So what, in terms of, like, obviously, you know, this sort of drive is about Black women who are successful in, the, in their field and in fields where oftentimes there's not a lot of women like them succeeding, right? So... What's it like in terms of your work and in terms of finding other women like yourself? You know, do you go into rooms and you're the only one? Or are there other women who are succeeding, who are getting through? And then what's the impact for you if you are, like, being the only one? Well, I, my, my experiences are colored both by being a Black woman and being an immigrant woman um, from Jamaica which is a very different experience than living in the United States just because um, Black people are the majority where I come from. I'm not feeling like a minority or that um, my race or ethnicity or culture would be a barrier to entry or a barrier to success. It, and it took me some time, even though coming in, I realized like, okay, there are not a lot of people of any color around here. It took me a long time to realize like that it would be an impediment for me to try and become an agent. Just because this is not an industry where simply being successful and getting lots of bookings is going to mean that you need to have a career. There is also networking, you need to have relationships. People have to want to take your call. People have to want to help you. They have to like you. For that to happen, they need to have things in common with you. And maybe even see a little bit of themselves in you, which is really hard to accomplish when you're really different. That was not super apparent to me in the beginning. Um, I had heard the expression that, you know, as a black person in this business, you could have to work twice as hard for twice as long. And I didn't realize that was literal. I thought it was an expression. But it, it took like, it took me eight years to become an agent, where, where I think for most people it probably takes about four. It took a while to find my niche, it took a while to find my champions. And when I did finally find my champions, they were what color was uh, Charles King, who, who now runs Macro, who was an agent of William Morris at the time. He's the one who finally, you know, convinced the leadership at that agency to, to promote me to the coordinator position. Um, when I came over to ICM Partners, it was through a black woman. Her name is Dana Sims. She, she was an agent at ICM for many years before going over to CA, where she is now. Um, and she was the one who was like, okay, it's time to elevate from the coordinator position and be an agent. Come here, I will I will make it happen. I will champion you. I found a really great community when I came over to ICM. You know, at that time they had, you know, several black female agents of color across uh, several departments and that was encouraging. It was great to have a home. It was great to have immediate places where you could find support and ask questions and figure out how to navigate a new building um, or navigate, you know, certain client situations. I think that community is important, again, because I think because it's not solely a meritocracy, it's important to have resources and people who champion you. It's just easier, I think, to find that in people who see themselves in you a little bit. Mm. So you're, you're, it's, you're, it's the mentors and the sponsors who are, who are people of color themselves, right? Who right. have kind of been so instrumental in supporting you and encouraging you in the context that you were in. So it's not just like, because I imagine... People who see you and... Right. 
and see your work and value your work and value the clients that you're working with and you know you have a commonality maybe in terms of just like the movies you like to watch the music that you listen to the things mm-hmm. you like to hang out you can connect with the types of artists that you represent and the like the places where you are in the world not and, and that certainly helped me. I did not know getting into the business how important that would be for me getting a, like just a little boost into becoming successful. Right. Without a champion, it's very, very difficult. And I ended up finding my champion in, again, an African-American man and an African-American woman who saw in me what maybe others did not at that time. Right, right. So what and what's the makeup now? You know, have you seen a difference over the years? You know, so when you first said you've been an agent for nine, eight or nine years, and then prior your career in the in the space, but as you're moving through, has it have you seen some increase in the number of black people, black women getting into becoming agencies or do, agents, or is it still does it still feel so out of reach that people aren't even exploring it as an op- as an idea in terms of, of, um, of work and a career. I definitely see a change in the last two years of Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. the up movement. There has been an incentive to be like, okay, we need to change and encourage people to come into the business who maybe, you know, didn't go through the mailroom or the traditional routes, including not just from you know, word of mouth or the typical colleges that we, we typically find assistance from opening it up to the recruits from HBCUs and things like that. Um, so you definitely see um, a change in the, the assistant pool. And I think that through that process, as people get promoted and become more and more experienced um, in, in the coming years, you will see that reflected, you know, in the, in the executive suite per se. Right. It's changing. I think there is no more more of an incentive to educate young people that this is a possibility if you're considering um, a job in the entertainment field. And like like going out into the community and saying like this job exists, apply. Right. Opposed, like hoping you heard from word of mouth or like me, like your Google search happened to be real good. But <laughs> if I had not put in like, I don't know, top talent agencies, I don't know where I would be. So what is it that makes you succeed because i imagine there's some people who may get through the door but they don't they don't so i understand that there was the mentoring there was a, there was african african-american man and african-american woman who saw your talent and supported you but what else is it that you're bringing really that's having you succeed so they see your talent but you're still succeeding they, they're harnessing the talent that, that is there what what has you succeed in this space where others may not be Never say die attitude. Listen, for me, I just had a very clear sense of self and that I had found this thing and I was good at it. And I was willing to wait as long as it took for someone to recognize what I already knew within myself. Okay. Even though I knew that path would take me longer than some of my peers. Right. I love to be of service. It is endemic to me just as a person. Maybe it's because I'm the oldest of 11 kids. I like coming through for people. Mm-hmm. I like helping them figure out the answer. I think 
being of service is, is very uh, an important skill if you want to get into this field or this industry of representation, not just being an agent, but being a manager of publicist too. But like really having confidence in yourself because you're, you're not going to get accolades and encouragement every single day when you do something great. It's like, it's very busy. It's very fast paced. You do something good and you have to immediately move on to the next thing. Sometimes people don't even notice what you're doing. So you have to be very self-confident, mm-hmm. very of your own skills and interests and abilities and continue to perform at that level and persevere even if no one notices that day. I think that's tough. I think for a lot of people, if you're not going to be immediately rewarded with bonuses and promotions and things, like sometimes you just need people to see you and there are a lot of days where people don't see you and you have to like know within yourself that this is still what I want to do whether people see it or not. Right. That's why I think I succeeded where some others did not. People got tired waiting around and I just hung in there. Yeah, it was just, it was interesting before you just said that because it sounded, because the word that kept coming up for me was patience. Because when you said earlier, you said you took twice as long. Like when you look at your, your counterparts and that some people wouldn't wait. Some people would just get frustrated and leave. So there was a, I'm hearing like the patience, but also your own belief in yourself that is it's like running in parallel. I mean, again, I don't know if I could go back to my younger self, would I tell her to be so patient? Mm-hmm. I don't know. No. I don't think it was fair or nope. good that I had to work twice as long and twice as hard to get the same position. But then again, I think a lot of people who got promoted ahead of me are no longer in the business. There was some positives to that. I, I was able to take more time to nurture my relationships, nurture my skill set, mm-hmm. so that when the opportunity finally did present itself, I was off to the races. I didn't right. need anybody to my hand. I didn't need anybody to tell me what to do. I knew what to do. Um, and so, therefore, I did well. But Again, despite that, and despite the fact that I have outlasted, like, baby girl, maybe shouldn't have waited so long. I don't know. I yeah, don't know. yeah. What would have become of me if I'd gotten promoted earlier? Would I be four years ahead of where I am now, or would I not have been prepared and therefore not have succeeded so early once I finally got that green light? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so it's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because of your readiness to, as you said, your readiness to to go. And it, and and the other thing that I'm hearing is, it's not about, it's not fair, and it's not right, and it's not okay, right? That the 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 um, it takes longer. The work that you have to do to get ahead, that your that your black women are passed over. Like none of that is fair, and. We, when you're in those spaces, you have to un, you have to respond to what's actually happening versus what you hope to be happening, what you wish was happening, or what should be happening. And I hear that in you, like I'm dealing with what's actually happening, you know, like, and then I'm making sure, like, what do I need to do, and how do I keep focused on my goal in this environment because this is the environment that I'm in and it's the environment that I want to work in and this is how it is and so how do I still accomplish my goal inside of that that space 
that is uh, very endemic of my personality. Again, I think it's very reflective of being the oldest child. I in a busy household. <laughs> a lot of people asking you your opinion about what you should do. I don't waste a lot of time in thinking about what could be or what it should be. It's like this is what it is. This right. is what it is, girl. Are you are you gonna persevere and, and take this because you believe that it will pay off in the long run and you will be the exception to the rule? Mm-hmm. Or is this too much? It's too much because there's a million other things you could be doing that'll probably be an easier path. Right. For one second you'd be having a better time doing that. Then maybe you should. But um I really fell in love with this field very, very early on and would not imagine leaving without at least getting my shot. Mm. What has been the biggest challenge? I was going to get my shot. You were going to get it and you were going to take it. You were going to get it. What's been the biggest challenge in in this? What's been a challenging moment for you? And how did you have you overcome that challenge? The challenging moment for me was when I was an assistant for about six years and I was pressing for the company, um, which was a different agency at that time. Like I've I've been here, you need to give me a shot and getting that feedback that we don't know if we're going to give it to you. Like if you find something like, it's great that you believe in yourself, but we may not necessarily have that belief. And if you find something better to do, you should do it. And it was so crushing. Like, I dedicated pretty much my 20s to do this. And everyone tells me I'm so good, but you won't give me this chance. The person who had been in my role left to go to another agency. And I had to decide, like, you know, if no one's going to give it to me, I have to make a case for myself. And that's when I walked into uh, my then mentor's office who was involved in that hiring process. And I'm like, I hear you guys are looking to fill this outside the company. I'm right here. I'm right here. Why are you guys thinking of me? I'm literally right here. You could see the look on his face where he was like, you're right. You are right here. I don't know why we didn't consider you. I were looking, you know, I, I, and it, it was a lesson for me that you can be operating at full capacity and assume that because you are working so hard and so passionate that people around you who have been around you a long time will see that you're ready. But I had to ask, I had to advocate for myself. And I knew that the outcome of that could be, we've already told you that it might not be happening for you. Now you've put a nail in your coffin and like, you gotta go. But instead it turned my whole career around where it was like, ah, light bulb moment. Actually, you're right. It should be you. Right. That's how I got myself out of like the entry level pool, you know, into the, the next level of my career. But it was really hard. It was really hard to realize they're not going to see unless I point it out. Mm-hmm. And then that you had the courage to go and have that conversation, even though what is it? you said the risk is they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> Listen, it sounds courageous now in retrospect, it, it, but at the time it was terrifying. It was terrifying. I had waited so long for them to just see me. Mm-hmm. Like I had to force them. And that was like a, like a jolt to the ego. Like, 
I'm going to have to do it myself because otherwise whatever is going to become of me, you know, it could have gone the other way, but it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but courage for me isn't the, isn't taking action when fear isn't present. It's quite the opposite. Courage is taking action when fear is present. Courage is, it's easy when things feel easy for us to do, you know, that's not where bravery sits. Bravery sits in, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to do this you still go and do it and you find your way through and you come out and your, you know, your palms are sweating and you're, you sit and think, I don't, I don't even know why, like what it, I don't even know who I was when I was doing that as I was doing that. But like, because the fear is so right there and there's some, but the, the desire is bigger than the fear. The desire is bigger than whatever that thing, which can stop us in others, which often has a way of stopping us in our tracks too. But in that moment, it's just like, oh. Now, I used to um, have a very visceral, physical reaction to those kinds of feelings. I would be in my 20s and just breaking into a sweat. Feel like every pore in your body is opened up. Water is pouring out. You have lost your breath. Your stomach goes between like your throat and the bottom of your belly. But you know you have to be brave. And hope that nobody can see the fear in your eyes. Mm. I don't feel like that anymore. I realize like life uh, has much bigger opportunity and consequences. And those kinds of feelings are kind of like wasted emotions. Now, like, just do what you got to do. All they can do is say yes or say no. And at some point it's going to be over. But man, in your 20s, it was so scary. Right. Right. Yeah, let them see you sweat, especially when you're not an agent. Like you're supposed to be <laughs> running everybody's careers and have the answers. You're not supposed to be like, I have so many questions. <laughs> what is it that you, what's, what, where are you heading? What's your vision for yourself? Where do you want to be in your work and your career? Um, well, now that I'm approaching um, 10 years into my career, um, I have a lot of artists who I feel are, you know, just starting to hit their stride. You know, I'm also starting to represent um, actors who are, are, are who are traditional actors, uh, who are finally getting the opportunity to participate in work that is not just commercially successful, but is you know, award worthy artistic. Potter, you know, really just trying to find the crossroads of being both artistically fulfilled, commercially successful. You know, that's the pinnacle. And I've, I've, I've had success in achieving one or the other in many, many scenarios. But um, now as I move into the next phase of my career, I want to find both in as many opportunities as possible. It's um, it's time for people to see my clients work, acknowledge their work, value their work, also get them paid. <laughs> yeah, we wanna go where the money reside too. Yeah. And so is the role of an agent in the foreground or in the background? Background, you're not gonna find like an agent on the cover of many magazines, you know? And ultimately, the, the client is always the foreground, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're a performer, if you're an actor, it's the whole point of 
your being, you know, it's to be on the stage or on the screen and everybody seeing and feeling and admiring your work. The process of getting you there, all the people behind that is background and secondary and very rarely acknowledged. Like there's no best agent award, right? Right. Um, Maybe if somebody wins something, you hear your name in a speech from time to time, except when it actually might happen, you usually tell your client, please don't mention my name. Nobody's money wants to see you winning an Academy Award and you're thanking your agent. Say something more important than that. You know, it's, it's definitely in the background, but um, that's the way I like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. for someone else, um, again, helping somebody else's dreams and ambitions come true, playing your role in that. I have no interest in like as long as my clients acknowledge me privately and personally mm-hmm. and know that I have their back and I'm working on their behalf. That's you know. That's what you care about. Uh I'm curious about so you said let's come back to when you where you grow up. So you grew up in Jamaica and you want you're the eldest of eleven children. I have one question that I ask my all my guests, which is my what mama used to say, you know, we all have and it could be our mom or it could be our grandmother or it could be an elder woman in our life as we are growing up. Where I really feel like as women, we there's some kind of jewel that we can we hold on to that influences us in our life. And I'm wondering if there's anything that you, either your mom or grandmother or, or elder woman in your life as you were growing up that, has, that stays with you and guides you. I'll bring, I have a lot of wonderful, strong women in my family. And, uh, but I'll talk about my great aunt Grace. Okay. My great aunt Grace was a chief nursing officer at a large hospital in New York metro area for many, many years. Uh, definitely like a example in our family because she's a, again, black immigrant woman who rose to a position that is not often held by women who look like us or sound like us. And when I, got out of college and was like, okay, I'm going to make it in the entertainment business. That really meant for the first six months living in my aunt's uh, Westchester house, rent free, just do the dishes and go to your interviews. I have no idea what you're trying to accomplish here, but I got you. Mm-hmm. And she used to always say like, listen, going on to these interviews, you have no connections. Nobody knows you. You're just like lucking out by sending in cover letters and emails, but you, you can fit in anywhere. Do not get intimidated by these people. You do not feel that they're giving you permission to to be here. You have earned every interview that you have gotten. And you can talk to anyone. And she has some little tips for me too. Like uh, everybody should be able to play a round of tennis, ski down a hill, or play a round of golf. <laughs> Even when you don't have anybody, have your nails done. I, as I... You guys can't see, but I'm like showing my big nails. I have your nails done, have your hair done, have a nice belt and nice shoes. You can always look at your shoes and just know like you belong in that room. You're going to look great. You're going to sound great. They're going to think you're interesting. Do not be intimidated ever. And if you feel that way, you come and you talk to your Auntie Grace, okay? (laughs) I always hear that in my head whenever all these years later, whenever I have to go into a room where maybe. I feel like I don't belong. Mm-hmm. That's who. I got on some good shoes. My nails look good, honey. I belong here. <laughs> Brilliant. And that is love. This like that gets 
that it still plays that that message is so powerful and was so instrumental that it still plays out to this day is beautiful everybody needs an auntie grace in their corner man and in some respects your life that's who you are for your clients yeah you know what i did not put that together until you just say but it's true you know uh, when you're getting people opportunities to audition or or meet on these projects it's not just getting them in the room it's also working with their team and with the client to prepare them so they put their best foot forward mm-hmm. and, and gassing them up like we got this opportunity we're gonna knock it out of the park like you don't be nervous we have prepared you you belong here just do your thing mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but you know nice to be a cheerleader too that's the work isn't it that's part of the challenge is like sometimes people go in and they're being their best and sometimes the situation has them (laughs) is there anything that if someone wants to get into your line of work and become an agent what would you advise them to do and particularly if they're not like just out of college or something if they decide that oh they're here you're like oh my god i could totally have been doing that and i i wanted to pivot like what would what would someone need to do in order to get into work as an agent i have a love of a a particular field of entertainment really love it so whether you love movies you love television you love reality tv you love reading books you love music like you really have a passion for the art form because you cannot advocate for people in those spaces if you do not understand and love that field and then be up to date in the business that is happening to the extent that is available to you. So that's watching a lot of entertainment news, reading the trades, you know, you should be reading variety and the Hollywood report and the rap, especially since so many of the articles are available for free or for cheap online. You know, have a feel for what's going on in the business. And then if you decide you want to be in representation, really have a think about the avenue in which you want to be involved. Is it that you want to find opportunity to make deals, uh, which probably means being an agent? Is it that you want to be in sync with the artist day to day on every single decision they're making across their brand, um, not limited to a specific area? That probably means being a manager. Are you really concerned with how they are perceived in the public? That means being a publicist. You like numbers? You want to make sure like an artist never goes broke? You want to be a business manager. You love the law, but you don't want to be stuck in torts and in court all day long. You know, maybe you should be an entertainment attorney. I mean, there's so many ways to be involved in an artist's life and help make it seem and make it easier for them to just focus on their craft. So I think if this is something you're interested in, just really think about what part of the business do you love? What aspect of an artist's life do you want to be helpful with? Do you have at least a basic understanding of what is going on in the entertainment ecosystem? If you can figure out the answers to all those questions, then um, most of the agencies, um, especially the large ones, it's not that difficult these days to get your resume into human resources, mm-hmm. um, write a killer cover letter that tells your story that clearly explains why you think you're passionate. And usually that'd be good enough. I think the days of having to have a connection to get in are gone. Even though I certainly did not have a connection, I, I sent my cover letter resume in the mail 
um, that worked for me. But again, I think that's changing. You don't have to demand that kind of luck um, to just get a look. You mm-hmm. have to look at you. But, you know, but again, really love it because if there's anything else in the world you can imagine doing. You just love it. You just love, I can see how much you, you know, when you, when particularly earlier on, when I asked you why, you looked up, your like your face just lit up, you know, you just, <laughs> you just, you could see how you completely, completely love what you're doing. I have a question from a, like, cause you know, I'm, I'm a coach and I work with, you know, coach and support. That's what, that's why I work with leaders and people in their lives and supporting them on their lives and having their dream come true in a different way. You know, broad like visioning and then go, going at it. And sometimes when I, I mean, I don't, I don't work necessarily people in the entertainment industry and I haven't, you know, but from the outside, I see the challenges of being in a space where you can often get rejection. Um, where it's so personal, where the feedback can be taken so personally because it is at them, even though what, you know, what the casting director, for example, may be looking for is like, it's so specific in their mind, as well as we know there's some biases that exist as well, but that people walk away and they can make it mean a lot about who they are and that the cumulative impact on that. So I'm wondering about, from the outside is what, that's my observations. I'm wondering about what's, if that feels like an accurate assessment for you and if, what is it in the team? What, if, what can be provided for entertainers who, and people who go, who are in the ta- on the talent side so that they can cope with, manage the, like that challenge that comes up and is that part of your role or is that part of what gets provided in the teams i mean it's like a personal question for me because it's like i that's where i you know i want people to be happy in life i want people to thrive in life and there are some spaces that make it more challenging for people to do that even whilst they're on journey to their wins um and to those places that they want to get to or even when they get there, actually, there still could be. Some. Yeah, I mean, there's no way around it. Um, if you're working in entertainment on any level, uh, there is constant rejection. I mean, you're going up for many jobs, but ultimately only one person is going to get the job. Mm-hmm. An amazing job. You could be a pretty good fit. Everyone could like you. It could just not go your way. If you're an actor... You know, your representation will do the best they can to try and figure out why it didn't go your way. And so you can have some real feedback and at least some real closure. Mm-hmm. But usually it's not anything except they saw a lot of people who were good and they went with the one that felt the best. And then it's a team's job to explain that in a way that the artist can process and realize that that is a part of the journey. There are positives for going through the process of being considered for a role um, that can benefit you later in your career or later in a different process you might not getting that specific job mm-hmm. that's how you build fans that's how you being build metal that's how you expand your skill set then you have to let that go and move on to the next thing because again it's more often than not not a reflection of worth or talent mm-hmm. it's, 
about the fit and to an extent you really need to have a tough skin because one person's going to get it right you know? i like the younger self question you know if you were to look back you know after all this time you're going back to you in the 20s april in the 20s in your 20s what advice would you give yourself in it's terms of the journey not have taken my own advice no matter who drilled it into me I, but i wish i had not stressed so much i spent so much time worrying what would ever become of me hmm. especially if i invested so much time and passion and energy into trying for the this dream that i knew that most people don't attain from my mailroom class i think two of us are still agents like so many people don't never get the shot and then if you get the shot so many people fail after your first contract cycle you know it's really hard to get people to pick up the phone and talk to you and give you information and opportunity and and, and deals that are enough to sustain a business i was just so frightened but not too frightened that i wanted to leave it you know mm -hmm. uh, but i i wish i'd had better confidence in my skill set and in my passion and in my dreams that I could have let some of the stress and anxiety and worry that it would end up being meaning nothing. I wish I'd let that go. Trusted myself because I've definitely shaved a couple years off my life being that stressed out. I knew I was working hard enough for it to happen. I could have afforded to be a little less nervous yeah so continue to kind of trust yourself and trust in your like a, have a bit a better knowing of in yourself that it will come that that's one i doubted i was so confident it would work out that again it frightened me should have just accepted it you are doing the work you're passionate about it you are vocal you're making people see you. You're watching everything. You are reading everything. Mm. You're doing it right. Just because it's taking it longer doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. Chill, girl. Chill. Mm. I definitely was not chill. <laughs> <laughs> I was not a chill person at all. That's brilliant. Well, it's a great way to end the, our interview. If um, someone wanted to get a hold of you, how would they get a hold of you, actually? What's the best way to reach out to you? My Instagram is open. It's April A.M. King on Instagram. I'm happy to uh, answer questions there. My name is April King at ICM Partners. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, give me a little uh, time to respond to you. Great. Thank you so much for being a guest. It's been really lovely to spend this time with you and find out more about you. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This was oh. lots of fun. Yeah. I'm so part of it. Yeah. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of another inspiring episode of She's Got Drive. One of the things I really loved about the interview with April King is how she talks about just shooting her shot had taken the opportunity and if you're gonna break through those barriers to success you have to seek for those opportunities and just take them remember my first thing in the beginning was done is better than perfect sometimes we're waiting to get it all right and get our shit together before we'll take that shot so 
if you're in that place this week maybe there's an opportunity wait that you've been holding back on seize it carpe diem carpe diem be sure to subscribe and follow us on facebook and on instagram like and review the show on itunes and spotify so that we can grow the show she's got drive is produced by cassandra voltolina the beautiful song back to me is by satoria key you can download that track for if you go to the she's got drive website and then there'll be an opportunity for you to click the link to download the track please buy the track it's a dollar man it's a dollar buy the track don't play it for free don't find it on spotify you know they don't get as much money the artists support black female artists download the track for one dollar please it's beautiful and i'm so grateful that um satori is letting us use this track for the show um, and i'm looking forward to the time where i have her on the show we are building a community of women living their best lives so keep driving towards your dreams until next week so well stay well <laughs> <laughs>